0: That's such a hard question to to answer. Maybe don't put that one in the podcast.
1: (laughs) All right, we're back for episode three with someone who you may not know by her real name, but you might follow her on Instagram without even realizing it. Our guest this week is Liz Eswine, who's a friend, a founder an incredible creator, and the semi-secret identity behind the Instagram handle, New York City. She's also got a really unique New York story that translates everywhere, in particular with the brand that she co-founded with Quincy Moore called New York or Nowhere, which is growing at a crazy pace both here in the city and then even more so elsewhere, which we'll get into a bit. We also got into digital real estate, growing a brand, the definition of an influencer, and a bunch of stuff in between. And as always, as a disclaimer, nothing on this episode should be considered financial advice you shouldn't make any decision, financial, investment, trading, or otherwise based on any of the information presented here without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with an investment advisor. And now, episode three of The Best Money I Ever Spent presented by Rally with Liz Eswine of New York or Nowhere. Thank you so much for coming to uh, our office. And eventually, I don't want to give too much away. You're yeah. going to be way closer to this neighborhood than you were throw. even a week ago. A stone's throw away. Fingers crossed. But Liz Eswine from New York or Nowhere. thank you so much for coming on.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: The, uh, for those that don't know, Liz is somebody who's got a really interesting trajectory and kind of like a very New York story, I would say. And when you got out of school, I'm going to go back a little bit before jumping into right now. When you got out of school, it was kind of like, it was social media 1.0 was kind of the world that we lived in, I would say. And from that point, you did all the things that are very, very New York, I would say. And it's things like working at the cool agencies and like being a part of the leadership group during an acquisition. You got a bunch of really ridiculous Instagram handles, which we're gonna get to. But when you got out of school, what was the plan and where did it end up? Give me like the first five years.
0: Okay, so I was actually really sick in college my junior year. I grew up in the Northeast, in Westchester, and I got really sick with Lyme disease. Um, For those who live in the Northeast, I'm sure they're all well aware of what that is. So when I graduated, I could not work a regular nine to five. There was just no way I was going to be able to do that. So I kind of had to, in hindsight, figure out something. I couldn't live with my parents forever as much as they would have loved that. So, yeah, I was in college when Instagram first launched. I remember reading a tweet from Nick Bilton uh, that Instagram had raised a Series A funding of $7 million and they had a million users. And... For context, now I think they have over two billion. So this was just a very different time. Most of my friends had Blackberries. I was one of the first of my friends to have an iPhone. That's, that's very.
1: That, for anyone that doesn't know what a Blackberry is, I think there might be a, a big contingent listening <laughs> yeah. that doesn't know. It's a, a phone from a different era. We had to type on physical thirty-five keyboard. buttons. Yeah, a physical keyboard <laughs> yeah. to send three texts took four hours.
0: And long story short, I tried to make a username, and again, this was in the days of like Live Journal and. And Tumblr was a big one. Um, And New York City registered as a username, and I completely forgot about it for a a while. Um, And like, it's not like nowadays where people are domain squatting their username squatting. It was a very different time. And so why would I tell anyone that I had that name really? And you can scroll all the way back in my feed and I haven't deleted any pictures from that time. They're horrible. One's me like holding out a cup of hot chocolate on the way to class.
1: That was very New York in 2012, 2013, that's
0: all right. (laughs) With like the horrible filters. Anyway, I, I graduated, and uh, prior to, I had interned at Condé Nast, so I knew how much a brand was paying for a page in Women's Wear Daily or W, um, and this was very early on in the influencer migration from Tumblr to Instagram. Twitter obviously had already existed, but the term influencer was very few and far between. And
1: did and digital real estate exist as a thought back then? Because this isn't, and we'll get to it, it's not the only handle that's that's in the, in the S1 portfolio <laughs> of Instagram handles, which now is incredibly important real estate yeah. on any social platform. But was that a thought back then? Was the idea that at some point there's gonna be worth millions and millions of dollars or the suite of products and suite of handles will be worth millions of dollars? Or was that not even part of the conversation?
0: I don't think consciously it, it crossed my mind. Obviously we had seen, or during that time, domain squatting was a, a big thing, um, .com, but never, from my experience, I had never really seen these generic Usernames. Um, Long story short, uh, we co founded a marketing agency and um, primarily focused on influencer marketing, and we got acquired in 2016.
1: D World at that point. So 2015, 2016. A lot of what's going on is primarily based on social at that point, yeah. or is it something where there's like the mix of digital and physical is starting to happen at that point or no?
0: Uh, yes, but the disruption of content development was really taking place. and um, My business partners, uh, Jason and Matt at Laundry Service, um, it was a full service marketing agency. It still exists to this day. and you know i i met jason on uh i think i was on a panel at adweek um and i had this idea and he said essentially let's create this and it exploded. Um, It was very much of the time I think we struck gold right at that moment when influencer marketing was really taking off, when content development was really needed and a churn and a burn of that. And we were able to create content at scale with these photographers and influencers that we represented globally. Um, And it really was at that time Brands dipping their toes in this influencer marketing world.
1: So when did that, when did it become kind of a family affair? So I don't want to get too deep into the, into your full life and the full gamut of the last 20 years or so, but when did it become a situation where now everyone in your family has some of the most highly sought after digital real estate, specifically with handles? How did that come to be? Can you give me a little bit of insight into what, what exists right now in that portfolio?
0: We have at New York City, obviously, at food, at baking, and at real estate. And that actually happened when I was back in college because the New York City account started to garner, I think I was growing like 10,000 followers a day at that time. And I remember having dinner with my, my family and I was like, so I signed up for this thing and I showed them my phone and it was like, Like oh this is interesting cool my brother works in real estate my mom has worked in the food industry since I was little and we just scoop them up a few of them have been hacked
1: that's really that's like the Web three problem right now I think too like and there's there's benefits and there's there's issues with every single new platform and it always happens but the idea of having uh, a non custodial sort of no customer service no one to reach out to if a MetaMask account gets hacked with an Instagram or the Twitter those are these breeding grounds for scams and for phishing attacks and all the stuff that's going on. Back then, no one thought about like 2FA or like protecting your digital account. So if you lost it and you didn't have any recourse, you have no to call. you're done at that point too. What was, the, what, was the, what, was, what was the first aha moment with any of those accounts where someone offers you a check and says, can you do something for me? And you have to have sort of, you put that decision whether i monetize, start monetizing these properties or I'm using them for, for a media component.
0: So it was actually um, a moment with Kate Spade. I remember I was still in college at the time. I had the account and this is kind of when the wheel started turning for me. Um, I had coffee um, with someone who worked there and I was like, what if I took a picture with a New York or a Kate Spade advertisement on top of a New York taxi? Like, that's advertorial, but it is also, like, fits within the scheme of the New York City account and blah, 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 blah. And that really was kind of one of the moments. And then after that, Nike NYC was actually my first paid client, and they paid us $50. And I was like, (laughs) this is fantastic. Like, this is going to work. And again, my parents were probably like,
1: great good well, job i mean 50 dollars back then it goes a little further than it did now that idea now we think about it. i'm going to transition i want to start talking about uh, new york or nowhere and and the current iteration uh your your business with you and quincy moore and it's this really it really in my mind is like the culmination of everything in new york and for anyone listening that's not in new york city everything across the country especially here and a lot of europe as well brand and social are these synonymous sort of intertwined things i think there's very few brands in New York that feel as New York, as New York and nowhere, and not just because of the name of the company. It's become this kind of unofficial slogan to a certain degree. And now downtown, it's really hard to walk anywhere without seeing that brand somewhere, whether it's like a sticker on a mailbox or it's someone's bag, or it's like you know a shirt or a pair of socks, it's everywhere. So now to get to where you are right now, so to, to frame this a little bit for everybody too, it's in Madison Square Garden, there's an outpost there. You have a bunch of other stuff that I'm not gonna to get too deep into in the roadmap that I have a little bit of insight to. I'm not gonna jinx anything or bring it up, but now you have a, a brick and mortar spot on West Broadway uh, here in New York the, when you first opened the lines a mile long. It's, what, how would you describe the brand? Cause it's a mix of clothing, it's social, it's got a physical and digital product component that goes with it. How would you describe that brand if someone asked what is New York or nowhere?
0: We have productized the emotion of New York, the adoration of the city, um, I like to refer to our customer base in three different funnels. We have our local, which is obviously our local native New Yorker. We have the visitor um, from out of town, and we have the dreamer of the city. So people that only dream of one day visiting here. Most of our customers are actually from out of state, which is something that I think Quincy and I have both been a little bit surprised by. Um, But the feeling holds true for people, whether they're here or not.
1: That's that's like... That's this thing where it's kind of like the Boston, New York fight a little bit too, where people, they think, I think they think people in New York, I don't wanna talk any bad about anybody in the country, but this is as a Yankee fan, I'm saying this too. They had this thing where it's like, oh, those New Yorkers, they really, they think who they are type of thing, you know? And there's an element of it that's true. That being said, there's also this thing where it's like, we are not really thinking about any other state like that because this is the greatest place, it feels like the greatest place on earth. And there's a way to sort of, there's very few brands have done a good job of capturing that moment. I think you guys do it in such a way that the social presence of at New York City and the brand really work well together. And I think about it like New York City's actual Instagram account, like newyorkcity.gov, it has like 150,000 followers. And like, you know, our mayor has like 160,000 followers. And like Liz has like 1.7 million as New York City. Was there ever a, a thought, like, I don't wanna use, I wanna keep these separate. Was it always sort of one big thing with the brand, New York or nowhere, the Instagram account, your network, everything around there kind of funnels into each other? Or is that something that's like, was that ever going to be just your account? Like Liz's account? I
0: think it just very organically all fits together. And I was thinking about this today prior to coming here. I think that this was all written in the cards. Um, you know, everything from the agency world, it was an examination and an observation of what was happening to the New York City account. Brands reaching out, okay, let's figure out how to scale this. This was my curiosity in launching a product from the account. And I have failed prior to. Quincy and I have known each other for probably eight or nine years. We believe it's through Andrew Steinthal, one of the co-founders mm-hmm. of the infatuation. Um, and, you know, I, I was talking to Quincy about this last week or referencing it. We had run into each other, from my recollection, on the street in January of 2020. And prior to this, we had always talked about doing something together for obvious reasons. It was just never the right time. I was at Cycle, Building Cycle. Um, Then I left New York for a little bit. And it was very serendipitous we we decided to get breakfast and that was kind of the end of the story and we started actually really launching this um under nyon in january of 2020
1: i mean that speaks to how quick it's kind of grown too and i'll give a quick story and i want to hear a little bit of your thoughts on how this happened so maybe like four or five months ago i'm watching tv and uh there's a preview for the new sex in the city and there's this like very specific scene that sarah jessica parker's probably shot like a hundred times it's like very serendipitous and walking down a cobblestone street and does like a twirl <laughs> and all of a sudden she had a, a New Yorker nowhere tote bag. And it was just like the perfect product placement. And a lot of people have seen this clip. It was everywhere. And uh, I texted you and I'm like, how'd this happen? I really thought it was like brand placement. Cause there were no other brands in the preview. And you were like, I don't even know. Like it was a, how does somebody, and let me, I don't wanna, yeah, I don't wanna put you on blast like that, but how do you, for someone that has like I a get, new brand.
0: I get emotional thinking about it. It was, it
1: was a crazy moment. I was, I was excited for myself and I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> but the, when you, people are starting a new brand and they're starting a new product, whether it's digital or physical, or it's a clothing brand or it's an app or whatever it is, how does someone work to get something organically in the hands of the people who are, the, who are almost the most important for amplification? When you think about like New York and Sex in the City and, the, and what Sarah Jessica Parker has done for so many different brands in the city, And now it's like she picks this particular brand. I know it turned into a bigger collaboration with her and a bunch of stuff that you're working on. But how does somebody who has a new brand who's got a little bit of traction get their stuff in the hands of the right people? How do they make that? How does somebody make that happen? I think you have to shoot your
0: shot ultimately. And we do very limited seating. Um, We have zero customer acquisition costs. We don't even have a publicist. Obviously the New York City account is the megaphone to... That feeling of New York. Um, I was actually out to dinner with one of my best friends last summer and I checked my messages and someone was like, have you seen this? And it was a paparazzi photo of Sarah Jessica Parker walking down the street wearing the bag. And I think I started crying at that point. Like it is the epitome of that New York story, that New York woman in so many ways and truly one of, you know, uh, just a dream come true for a brand like us. Um, I definitely cried watching it when it aired for sure. I FaceTimed my mom and we watched it together and had a moment. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of getting your product out there, I think firstly, you have to believe in it. Um, the product market fit, you have to believe in yourself, which is kind of difficult, honestly, on some days, believing that you're making the right decisions and the right moves. Just, Believing in it and and shooting your shot, like I said, and, and gifting it or seeding it to people that you know. Networking, you never know, truly. We didn't even send it to them, actually. The stylist, I believe, purchased it from our site.
1: I said, that's the best feeling. Like, everybody should have that feeling once of, like, making something and, like, seeing somebody else use it or seeing somebody else have it or where That's, like, a very, from a creative standpoint, and you know this, too. Like, you're a creative. You're, like, a marketer. I look at you a bunch of different ways. But the idea of like making something happen from scratch and having somebody respect like it is the craziest feeling still. So, like everybody needs to see that once.
0: I have a problem. Quincy, my business partner and creative director of New Yorker nowhere, always laughs at me because I love giving away things for free and it's a running joke in the office like you have to stop doing this but I used to go at people on the street that I would see and I would get their email address and you know they're wearing the product and I would send them something and the other day someone walked into my elevator wearing a hat and i just looked at it and i was like i didn't say anything but it's i see it everywhere now it's really incredible
1: that's a crazy feeling what would be and you're somebody who's you've you've done a bunch of angel investing you have a a really a portfolio that i think a lot of a lot of like vcs like real vcs will look at and be a little bit envious of the the early checks you got in some of the the really important companies especially here in new york what are the other brands that you look at one that's not yours or an app or anything you look at you say like Man, I would love to have made this. That's one that makes complete sense. I should have thought of that. Is there anything that jumps out that you're like this is this is exactly what it should be?
0: I don't know the answer to that. Really putting me on the spot. I did say previously a children's brand because parents will spend on their child. No question asked. They want
1: kids to look cool. They're
0: cooler than any of us are.
1: No question. It's not even close.
0: I mean, I've always been fascinated by these influencer-led brands. I think that after I left the agency and took some time off, that was something that I had always been curious about, watching these people who have amassed large followings, then- deploy a product and hope that their audience supports them and supports that product and that it's a quality product. Um, it's the inverse of what has traditionally been done, you know, for example, Estee Lauder, um, L'Oreal, you know, they launch their products and then build an audience around that. And the inverse of all of that has been happening and, and has really disrupted specifically the beauty industry. So I was always curious about that world. Um, and again, that piqued my curiosity with launching New York or no, with Quincy. Well, I mean, you hit on the
1: head too. There's like a thing where people think that like lots of followers means you're gonna you're gonna make money off something. You could take any product, throw your name on it, or someone other brand pays you and you do a bunch of posts and stories and reels around and throw it on TikTok, put up a swipe up link and guaranteed money. And you see it. Following and community are remarkably different. Like those are not the same thing.
0: I think something like I had mentioned earlier, we have really drilled and tapped into that emotion, which is something that brands are spending millions of dollars to create. That feeling, that emotion, it makes you repurchase and buy into that brand. And we have done that in so many ways with the media side of the company, with New York Uh, new york city and new york or nowhere our media channels and then we've productized that and bottled it up and we ship to australia and japan and germany and people can feel that wherever they are that's
1: that's what it's new york or nowhere it's literally everywhere and everywhere you want to be (laughs) anything you want it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time the what do you think about the word this is the i have a couple questions i'm gonna end with too but what do you think about the word influencer is that like a bad word? I don't know how that I don't know how that sits anymore because I don't have that many I don't have followers like that
0: I and mean, I think that has such a negative connotation in so many ways um, I think it it dumbs down the power of the audience and community that they have curated and they have amassed you have to look at these people as one-stop media shops right they they develop their content they capture their content they edit their content they um deploy that content strategically based on their knowledge of their audience intimately. And it's it's impressive what these people and creators do. I like the word creator far well, more. Creator's the right way to put
1: it. Prepared. Creator's the yeah. right way to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. Trust
0: me, I roll my eyes at a lot of it sometimes too. Like I need to get off of the internet. I need to close these apps. <laughs> I'm fully entertained and it really is. I mean, these kids are 16, 17, 18, 19 Not years old. Person. and know their audience more than anyone else will know their audience and it's you have to tip your hat to them. Yeah, they,
1: they have all the tools now too. It really is like it's an interesting time where anybody who has a little bit of a following can turn that into like a massive business yeah. if they're creating content that people actually care about. And then you could tack on those products later, you know? And
0: also I think, you know, obviously there is, most of these creators are just that they're creative and to build a business around that, it is exceptionally difficult and you have to either know what you're doing, which I do not most of the time and make I mean, it up. I mean. but, um, it's It's, a lot of hard work and grinding
1: i believe it. a couple of quick questions for you as somebody who's who's uh really understands this city really well and this is more of a question for everybody not just people from new york but what do you think the biggest differences pre-covid and like the start of sort of 2019 into 2020 and then now where you start to see especially downtown it's it's back like new york is back and that's been a a, a buzzword and like a buzz phrase for the last seven months basically Yeah but now going into the summer where like mask regulations are changing a bit every restaurant's back open new places are starting to open what do you think is has changed between then and now 2019 to 2022
0: yeah during that time there was a huge opportunity to help and and i obviously felt a responsibility on some level you know we donated 100,000 meals to the food bank in new york thousands of masks um, to hospitals and restaurant workers and continued to promote vaccines and all of that. But I think, you know, thinking of, of New York from 2019 to 2022, I think people really appreciate it more. Again, this is just from my POV, but sometimes I'll just have music pretty high walking down the street and feeling like I'm walking to my own soundtrack <laughs> throughout New York. Obviously I view this place with rosy, through, through rosy colored glasses, but so um, outside
1: of, outside of New York and nowhere and outside of, um, you know, your life for the last two or three years, what would you say if you had to pick a best investment? This is stocks, crypto, products, whatever it is. What do you think is the one that you look at and you're like, this is the best money that I've spent myself. And it feels like the, the right move was yeah, made. I
0: was listening to your previous episodes and I couldn't figure out what the best money I've ever spent was.
1: That's a good thing. That means there's more to write. There's another chapter to go there, it. Right?
0: <laughs> I mean, objectively speaking, probably my Daytona, it's doubled now
1: so yeah so for anybody anybody that I mean we at rally obviously we think about this a lot but when it comes to like the things that are in the in the ecosystem of products that you would buy to have that become investments particularly Rolex watches and Daytonas Birkin bags all those things are it's impossible to get now and it's something where you, you double and triple your money when you walk out of the store so anyone that was able to get anything at retail that's why I don't know what's it's. We live in this crazy place now where the question isn't how much, it's do you have it? And when someone says yes, someone with money will come in and just take it. And then out of the gate, you're up 300%.
0: Especially now. I mean, I've always, I grew up watching my mom with beautiful bags and beautiful shoes. And I've always been curious about them. And I remember buying my first nice bag, which was a Chanel medium flat bag. Black caviar gold hardware. You must know,
1: you must remember because that I was a very specific explanation.
0: And I remember walking into the store on 57th Street and I almost threw up thinking about how much money I was spending. I think it was probably like a quarter of what it is now retail. Um, and I remember having it sit in the box for like four days and I would open it and look at it and close it. And I couldn't believe I owned this. That was probably one of the most exciting purchases I've made because you know, that's arguably one of the most classic bags you can own, and it was less about the bag and more about feeling pride within myself that I was able to. It sounds corny, like, Yeah, come
1: yeah, you know, that's like the Sarah Jessica Parker thing too, that's like the, that's like a whole generation that grew up on Sex in the City, yeah. and looks at like specific shoes and specific bags that are like these heirloom pieces, you always want it, and then when you get it, it's like, I got that thing, no question. Yeah. So New York or nowhere now, twenty twenty two. You have a massive brand following, and there's I'm a I I was gonna say assume, but I know there's more brick and mortar coming. I, I think I can say that. Is there is there kind of a digital play that's coming along with that, or is the focus going to be on the brick and mortar and expanding like the footprint that you have Madison Square Garden to other states? What's the immediate future look like?
0: Uh, we are expanding physically um, at JFK. We have our next Knicks collection in the works. We are pinning down our flagship store which again is a stone's throw away from the rally road offices which we're very excited about again please don't jinx this um in terms of web 3 and expanding in that world that's something that we actively talk about it's an an area that i personally have invested in um ultimately quincy and i you know quincy was there when he was teaching me actually how to purchase an nft um,
1: you have a, a a doodle PFP. That's true. You were early on. I'll give you that. I'll give you credit doodle. for. That
0: one. Uh, we have a few, which is, I mean, it's a very interesting space. I'm sure we could go down that rabbit hole as well. But we are building out. You know, everyone talks about utility and community. We do want to build out a project that is valuable to our current customer base, um, and that is very much in the works. You know, Quincy is is spearheading a lot of that. I view it mainly from the consumer's POV and how can the consumer best get value out of what we're creating for them. Um, That's always been my POV, especially in this world, because I am kind of our target demographic and it's a very scary entry point for a lot of people. But if we can attribute value to that within our current customer base, like I was mentioning, and have them associate the feeling of new york within that and productize that um i think we'll do a great job
1: no it makes sense so there is the idea of community is it's so abstract and people throw that word around recklessly but it is when you have like uh you know a place that people really care about a brand that people really care about and they're kind of waiting to see what's next you can Mm -hmm. lead them down that pathway we've been trying to do the same thing where nfts are still And Web3 in general is still so intimidating to a majority of the world.
0: I think the entry point for the mass consumer is not even close to being there yet. Just from converting fiat to Ethereum or another crypto um, currency and then sending that over to your MetaMask and then knowing your secret passcode and your wallet address. You're asking a lot of a
1: regular person. Like you're asking a lot of somebody who who didn't come up crypto native. And that's the biggest problem with people who, who gravitate towards the big sort of household name type brands, mm-hmm. you're asking to them to do something that changes their behavior completely immediately at yeah.
0: I mean, I think that will change pretty rapidly with the introduction that, you know, Shopify is working on an NFT marketplace that you can integrate with your storefront. Coinbase NFT is in beta right now. Um, so I think it's getting there. I think people, just need to understand what these actually are. And it didn't really click for me until um, Dave Krugman and Jose Silva, who are amazing artists, really, you know, incubated me, I would say. They really taught me the Yeah. And I remember saying to Jose very clearly, "Well, I can just right click and save that JPEG, and then I can uh, own it." And he you was were like, one "No, of no, them. no." And then I tried to mint a project, um, and I didn't get the one that I wanted. And I finally understood that I actually don't own that.
1: Mm, you were one of the ones that I could right click save of the it. Ones.
0: We should make a T-shirt around
1: that. Uh, maybe I'll do it. We
0: can make it, it for you.
1: Yeah, we'll do a collab on that. Maybe I'll talk to you and Quincy about it later. <laughs> Last question, and this is one that I have personally. I'm I'm using this time selfishly at the end. Uh, how does one get Hugh Jackman to say happy birthday to well, them on Instagram? Why? How do I get that to happen for myself? I'm not. I'm trying. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> if you're
0: listening to this. No, I don't know, I'm just luck, you're making me blush. <laughs> I gotta get
1: I gotta get lucky too and have A-list celebrities wish me happy birthday on Instagram. Oh my God. Liz, thank you so, so much for, for spending a little bit of time with me and uh, I will see you soon. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes next from New York or nowhere. And that was episode three, where we talked a lot about New York, hopefully not too much. But I hope it translated. And for anyone who hasn't been here, if you can get here, you definitely should. We'll be opening a new Rally Museum here in Soho in the very near future. And we'll be doing some really cool stuff to get the assets on Rally in front of everyone, all the investors all over the country. So definitely stay tuned for that. This week, a couple new additions to the app. Both are kind of New Yorkish. The first is a Moonbird NFT. That's the most talked about new project in the Web3 space from a team full of tech heavyweights. That'll be going live in the very near future. And we've officially launched art as a category, starting with a piece from an artist who really is a true New York icon and kind of became a cultural hero of the city, even though he wasn't from here, Andy Warhol. Both are in the app right now in preview. Tap the notify me button for a chance at early access. And as a reminder, do not listen to me or anyone for financial advice. Always do your own research. Be sure to read the disclaimers on rallyrd.com, rallyroad.com before making any investment. All investments involve risk. This is no different, and past performance is never indicative of future performance. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Rally and on Twitter. We're at on Rally Road, O-N-R-A-L-L-Y-R-D. I'm Rob Petrozo. I'll be back next week with episode four with someone who's definitely thinking long term. That's all I got for now. Until next week.